The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? Ice cold Coors Light. Also joining us today is Mugs. What up, Mugs? How you doing? What's going on? Just chilling, man. What are you drinking? I got some ultras. So today we are talking about Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, It's released August 24th, 2001. It's produced by Dimension Films and View Askew Productions, distributed by Miramax Films. It stars Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck, Jeff Anderson, Brian O'Halloran, Shannon Elizabeth, Jennifer Swalback, Eliza Dushku, Ali Larder, Will Ferrell, Matt Damon, Judd Nelson, George Carlin, Chris Rock, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill. It's directed by Kevin Smith and written by Kevin Smith. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga hit us with the financials. There's a lot more actors in that too, right? I mean, we're just we're just kind of getting the iceberg of it. Um, yeah, that'd be like half the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was in 2001, um, big year for me. I had just graduated high school, so all these movies I'm kind of like going on my own. But um, it made 34 million. 30 domestic, four foreign, and I think it was just a couple theaters that was up there in Canada um, on a budget of 22 million. Opening weekend, it was third as far as the charts. However, the films that debuted that weekend, it was first. I think the next one was at number six, which is Summer Catch, but it did have to go up with a a list of movies. Um, American Pie 2 was in, Mm. and that was number one. That was in its third week, Rush Hour 2. Um, But this came in at third, which is 11 million. Behind it, uh, fourth and fifth, the others, isn't that an M. Night Shyamalan movie? The others, am I wrong? I don't remember that. I don't think. I don't think the others. Others. Is a, I don't know what I that one is, and I thought I think uh, it's Nicole Kidman's in that one, but I don't okay. Think it's a, I'm not sure. um, Rat Race. You did have Jurassic Park three that was at number twelve. A couple other things. I think you had Fast and Furious two. I think it was Legally Blonde. I have to bring this up though, and uh, I want you guys to try to guess. There was a movie that was still in theaters at its fifteenth week, August two thousand one. Right, fifteenth week. It was number twenty one at the time. Do you know what any movie this is? In 2001? 2001, because it's a, it's, it's a classic throughout our group. We always reference it. We had your birthday themed after it. Shrek. Shrek? Yeah, okay. Shrek. Oh, okay. Shrek was still in theaters, yeah. 15 weeks, it was number 21 at the time, but I thought that was interesting. I do also have the financials for the rest of his movies. I don't know if you guys want to get into that as well. Yeah, sure. Um, this came in at number one so far. I have uh, Clerks 2 uh, and Dogma right behind it. Dogma brought in around $31.4 million. Clerks 2, which I think, have you guys seen that? Many times. Awful movie. You like that movie? Yeah, I like it. Oh, I hate it. Um, $27 million. But uh, Mallrats, which I can, only had 2.1 million, I, I guess I kind of get it. Clerks, what started them all off, 3.2, and Chasing Amy, which I have to regret saying that I have never seen, uh, 12 million. Um, so this is his highest grossing film as far as in his. I know he's directed other movies, but as far as in his, I don't know what kind of universe they call it. I know we'll get into that. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is this is his highest movie as far as those six that are there, and I think it was the fifth one made. Clerks two being the sixth, correct? Correct. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I got. But yeah, that was interesting. It's made $34 million, so it tops all of his other movies in this little category. All right, Jason, uh, tell us what the people thought of this movie. 
According to Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, uh, 52% of them uh, liked it. Uh, the average rating was a 5.62 out of 10. There was 153 votes, 80 of them fresh, 73 of them rotten. The audience, 75% of the audience gave it a 3.5 or higher with an average rating of a 3.84. Um, the total count for the audience was 304,000 votes. So, I mean, just real quick, I mean, that's a pretty big disparity, 52 and 75, but I feel like audience is always typically higher, but that's that's pretty high. Um, IMDb, uh, 6.8 out of 10 with 142,000 votes. Um, I didn't pull the demos for this because I was looking at it and they're all within a couple tenths. So there wasn't real big disparity anywhere. Um, just a couple quotes that I did find on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, just two of them. Uh, one person said, the worst and least funny movie I've ever seen. And the other one was, this one is for complete morons who are proud of their status. Wow. I didn't understand these. And I'm like, I got to put these in here because they seem kind of weird, but mm. they're hate on the movie, obviously. I think Ebert and Robert Wright, I think it was Roger Ebert that gave this a three out of four. And he said, this is a movie that if you like Kevin Smith movies, this is a great movie. If you don't, then we understand why you don't like this movie. But basically, this is directed at strictly an audience for Jay and Silent Bob fans, right? I mean, that's kind of what I got out of it, you know? And, but, and we'll get into all that and yeah. why, but I agree. I mean, if you haven't seen Clerks, if you haven't seen Morass, Chasing Amy. Well, I, and I didn't see Chasing Amy, and I know they reference the the monkey in that a lot. But other than that, is there a lot of references from Chasing Amy? Oh yeah, I mean, he, towards the, the very end, end. very very the end. end. Yeah, and I love I mean, that, yeah. Ben Affleck. I mean, he's holding McNeil. He's in. So Brody, and that's the other character. Then that's what I didn't get, huh? Not not Brody. I'm sorry. Banky. So what is Ben Affleck's character in Mallrats? He's the manager, but is he at all referenced in Jane Silent Bob? I don't think Ben Affleck was in Mallrats. Well, no, he is. Yeah, he's, I'm positive. He dated Shannon Doherty. Well, I know we're going to get into this in behind the scenes and stuff, but like, which of these VUSQ Universe movies have we all seen? Like, between all of us? I have not seen Chasing Amy. I've seen all the other ones. Okay, I've never seen Mallrats or Chasing Amy. Those are the two I haven't seen. I've seen them all, but I have, I've only seen Mallrats once, and it's been a while since I've seen that. So that's the one I don't I was going to ask you guys at the end of the podcast where you rank this. Mallrats is my favorite, but we'll, I, we'll get into that, though. But yeah, no, Ben Affleck is in Mallrats. So he's got to be a different character, though. Yeah, so I don't. I, that's what I didn't. I didn't think so. Mallrats. He's a. Um, I think it's a tuxedo or a, some sort of fashion, whatever manager, and he's dating Shannon Doherty, who obviously Jason Lee's character Brody, right, is like trying to get back and whatnot, and she kind of flips back and forth. But yeah, he's in Mallrats. Okay, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, Jason, uh, take us behind the scenes. Okay, so when starting this research, it's kind of a crazy rabbit hole that you go down because um, Muggo was kind of alluding to it earlier. There's this Askewniverse, which is Kevin Smith's movies we were just kind of discussing right now with Chasing Amy and Mallrats and Clerks, Dogma, um, and now with Jay and Silent Bob, and then Clerks 2 rounding it out. So um, I'm going to kind of go over some brief history about Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes and kind of take you behind the scenes of where this got started. So they grew up in Jersey. Kevin Smith was about four to five years older than Jason Mewes, and he was leaving high school as Jason Mewes was coming in. But it's funny because Jason Mewes being the younger one, he would actually harass Kevin Smith a lot because Kevin Smith, I mean, as we know, he's a big comic book nerd right. and in like, all these movies. So he already teased him a little bit too, didn't he? He teased him a lot. Yeah. But then Jason Mewes would always ask for comic books too. So after Kevin Smith would read his comic books, he'd end up giving you know Jason Mewes some for free, the ones he was done with. On Kevin Smith's 21st birthday, he went and saw a movie called Slacker. It was made by Richard Linklater, which I'm not familiar with. But when he went and saw this movie, it really inspired him. Real quick, I know we're talking about Linklater. Um, so some of his movies are, uh, he did Days and Confused. Um, he did uh, Great movie. Before Sunrise, Sunset, and uh, Before Midnight. Uh, he did uh, School of Rock, and he also did... Uh, 
Bad News Bears in 2005. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I wasn't familiar with that name, but I mean, I've seen a lot of those movies. So in some of the other interviews and stuff that I saw, like with Jon Stewart and some of the other actors that are in the movie, Kevin Smith really did work at a quick stop like convenience store. Right. And Jon Stewart talks about, because he lived in Jersey at the time, that, you know... I think one of the direct quotes was, yeah, I'd run into someone that went into the quick stop to buy a 40 and condoms and come out of the store and say, hey, you got to go meet this kid. I think his last name's Smith. Like he's going places. And I guess he would do all kinds of weird skits and stuff on the corner. But Smith was like a well-known guy and he really did work at this like quick stop like convenience store. Um, but I guess this one slacker that Smith was particularly taken by, he actually shot uh, the whole movie in his hometown of Austin. Smith says that when he saw this, it was that movie that got me off my ass. It was a movie that lit a fire under me, the movie that made me think, hey, could I be a filmmaker, end quote. Um, He said he's never seen a movie like that before, and that's where he draws a lot of the inspiration. So from Spike Lee, Hal Hartley, he drew a lot of inspiration from these guys. Smith went on to attend the Vancouver Film School for four months, um, where he met the longtime collaborator Scott Mosier. Do you know who Scott Mosier is in the film? He's in this movie briefly, but he's he has a bigger role in Clerks. Uh, he's Snowball. He's like the guy that kind of comes in a little deranged and out of it. This is one Dante's girlfriend hooks up with. They talk about what a snowball is. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he's at the very end of the movie, um, but he's the one that produces almost all of this View Askew movies. Um, so he met him. Still, in, like the ones yeah. like, oh, wow. Yeah, and you watch a lot of the behind the scenes when they talk about the movies and they do interviews. He's usually always there because he produces all the View Askew movies. So he left Vancouver Film School after four months, and he wanted to try to save some money for his first film. So after seeing that, he, again, had like a fire lit under him. He wanted to make a movie, and he wanted to make it in his hometown. So he quit film school after four months. He moved back to New Jersey and then got his old job back in Leonardo, uh, New Jersey. And that's where he wanted to have the set for Clerks. Again, drawing a lot of inspiration from Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee film. So it's kind of like a day in the life. So like if you guys are familiar with Clerks, it just takes place in one day. Although he had a lot of trouble financing the film. Did you guys read about? I I did. So I know that he did the whole thing, financed it all on his own, correct? And he did that through assistance of selling comics and all that stuff. I heard the major thing was, though, and I could be wrong, an insurance policy that they got because a car that Jason and Kevin both shared, they declined to park it or repark it somewhere because it got flooded and they got an insurance policy and they used that money to help fund this movie. Yeah, yeah, Jason wanted to park it there and Kevin's like, hey, I don't think we should park it here. We shouldn't leave it here. And Jason's like, no, it'll be fine. And Kevin Smith's like, yeah, I was pretty much just too lazy to move it. And it ends up flooding and then... From that settlement, they were able to finance uh, the movie. So yeah, he sold a lot of his old comic books, but he also maxed out about 12 credit cards to finance this film. Um, sounds like a lot to do because they they say it only cost about twenty seven grand yeah, to make under, the movie. Under thirty is what I yeah. Heard. So Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith have been friends about five years now. So in nineteen ninety four, Smith recruited Mewes to uh, be on this ensemble of you know random people to be in the cast for Clerks. The black and white film was shot at a quick stop convenience store again where Smith had worked, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I thought they did all of the filming at night what I read one time. I could be wrong. I didn't research that recently, but I remember hearing that they, they did all that filming at night and he would also have to work during the day. It was almost like he was awake the entire day while he was filming this. 
I don't know if it was Kevin Smith, but Brian O'Halloran, Dante, that, okay. that's what he was doing. So he was working a job. He would come home, sleep for a couple hours, and then they would go to the convenience store to film at night, like you wow. said. Yeah. And then they'd have to stop filming at around five o'clock because the store opened at six. So they'd have to get all the equipment out of there, reset up, and they actually moved it over to the video store that's right next door. So right. they moved all the cameras, lighting, everything over into that store so that they could open up the convenience store at six because the video store, I think, didn't open till 11. So they were able to then get everything out. But yeah, every day, Brandon Halloran's like, yeah, I functioned off of a couple hours of sleep every day. So wow. it was pretty crazy. You know, if you guys are familiar with Clerks, you know, very filthy, um, frank and questioning dialogue. It was picked up and distributed by Miramax. Um, it went on to uh, win a bunch of awards at Cannes Film Festival, the Sundance Film Festival. Um, but the reason we're talking about Clerks is because this is the first time we actually see Jay and Silent Bob. Right, the first time of the characters. Yeah, and we learned that, you know, they're some small time, you know, drug dealers that hang out together and are really filthy with their words. You know, one is, you know, tall and lanky, talks a lot, and then of course, Silent Bob is yeah. silent. So that's what kind of kicks off this whole universe. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Right. Um, the films that are included, we kind of talked on already. Clerks being the first, Mallrats the second in 95, Chasing Amy in 97, and then Dogma in 99 with Jane Silent Bob Strike Back as the, uh, as the fifth one. They're all linked together. They would later come out with Clerks 2 in 2006 to be the sixth. Jay and Silent Bob have had cameos outside of this Isk universe, too. I didn't even know this until I was doing the research. I was telling Muggs the other day that uh, they had a, an appearance um, in Scream 3. Yeah, I had when you told me that, I had to go back and watch it. But yeah, because they're on the studio a lot, and I think that's what shows them. But that's what really inspired this movie, because a lot of people will come to Kevin Smith and say, you know, why aren't you making a Jay and Silent Bob movie? Like, those guys are awesome. And you kind of think, like, these guys are just, like, two you know, side characters that are just right. filthy drug dealers. Like, I, I can't make a movie out of this. And uh, so once they had this cameo in Scream 3, there was just a huge, you know, outpour of people like really like loving to see them again and seeing them outside of the Cisco universe. And so that's kind of what put them over the edge to actually go ahead forward and make this movie. So outside of that, uh, there's been a cartoon that was on TV. Yeah. Have so, you seen any episodes? I've never seen one episode of it. It's funny. I've never seen it, but I own it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's six episodes. Okay. But only two episodes aired on ABC before it was canceled. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they got through two. And it's it's very dialed down from the movie. So it's not like what we see in these Esque Universe movies. I mean, they they are in it. I mean, it's, it's technically a Clerks cartoon, but Jay and Silent Bob are featured in it. But yeah, it's way dialed down. But even that, they had to cut. They're like, yeah. nope. Because it is a Disney network, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I was looking at the DVD before I came over here today, and I guess they put in extra language, stuff that they had cut out of the cartoon for ABC, and it's on these DVDs. But again, I, I've never seen it. Um, and then the most surprising one was that they were featured recently. What? What? In a Drake video. Oh, and Drake was not happy, right? I don't know if Drake wasn't happy. I, I didn't read that. Because they're all from Canada or something like that. No, keep going. I, I read a little bit about it. I, I just kind of brushed over it. Yeah, though. I barely looked into it. Yeah. I just I saw this pop up a couple times. I'm like, all right, I'm going to look this up. And it's true. There's a, a video for the song, I'm Upset. Oh, when he goes back to Degrassi. When he goes right, back to Degrassi, Degrassi that, High School. Yeah. And it shows them, I think, a couple times outside of the high school. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Wow. So... To kind of get in, so we kind of laid the foundation of, you know, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith being friends for a long time. This is universe. Um, but the whole theme of the movie is based around their characters that are created, um, Bluntman and Chronic. And uh, the creators in the Askewniverse are Holden McNeil, 
who's played by Ben Affleck, and then Edward Banky, who's played by Jason Lee. Um, they created the comic book. It's not real clear like where the inspiration came from, except for just that they're a ridiculous duo. Um, but I think some of it came from Mallrats. Just we see them kind of. You see that Bob is like this electrical genius, and uh, you see a lot of like comic book elements with them. And so when we get to Chasing Amy, we meet Holden McNeil and Ed Banky that are the drawer and the inker for, and the creators for the comic book. When we get to Strike Back, Banky still remains, or sorry, retains all of the rights. Holden McNeil sold everything off to Banky, but that's kind of where we're at now when we get to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I didn't know this either, but Kevin Smith actually created comic books, Bluntman and Chronic too. Oh, did he? Yeah, he actually created them after the release of this movie. So after this, they actually created comic books too. I know we were talking about this earlier. I saw all these movies ranked just while we're on the SKU universe. I forget what website this was on, but they had Jay and Silent Bob at number five out of six. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. It went Chasing Amy at number one, Dogma, so I gotta Clerks. I got to watch Chasing Amy then. I, yeah, I, I have not seen that movie. Because that's, that's as high as rated, like, critics-wise. Is too. it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's actually a clip. I was watching an interview with Chris Rock, and they're talking about his part in this movie. And Chris Rock's like, the reason I'm doing this movie is because I want to be the Ben Affleck character in the next Chasing Amy. So Ben Affleck's the lead in Chasing Amy, and he really enjoyed that movie. And Chris Rock's like, I'm doing Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back because I want to be the Ben Affleck character in the next kind of Chasing Amy. So even Quentin Tarantino said that this like was a quantum leap forward for Kevin Smith Chasing Amy. Okay. People really hold this movie in high regard. So yeah, if you get a chance, you should definitely watch it. So again, we kind of touch on like where the inspiration from the script came from. We we know that, as they say, our beloved characters, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, outside the quick stop. Again, Kevin Smith wasn't real thrilled or even entertained the thought of doing a, a movie solo just with these two characters. But again, from Scream 3 cameo, it, it inspired Kevin Smith to come out with a solo movie for these two, a couple of raunchy stoners. So kind of going to the production of the movie on Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith's podcast, uh, it's called Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Kevin Smith went on kind of kind of a rant about how much of a headache Jason Mewes was on set in pre-production, post-production, all around this movie. Have you guys heard how bad he was? Well, I want to know, was he on heroin during this movie or was he trying to get over it and was going through the withdrawals? I read two different things. Yeah. I read that he was in the beginning... And at the end, but not necessarily during, during but he was drinking a lot because he was trying to fight the withdrawals. Right. And he was very irritable because he was going through withdrawals. And I guess it was like they said, it was a ticking time bomb. Yep. And I know you're going to bring up the story where he tossed him out of his car right on the way yeah. one time. And I guess there was also a story that I read that they had to do a reshoot. So what Jason would do was after he would get through whatever he had to do, he would then just go get annihilated drunk because he couldn't do the heroin. But then they had to call him back one time. He was pissed off and he showed up drunk. And like, I guess that caused a scene or something like that, one of those shoots, you know? Yeah, but he also says that he was, once they stopped shooting or in between scenes, he would go back to his trailer and do and drugs, yes, too. Yeah, so well, Oxycontin, I, too, I heard Oxycontin he was big too, on. Oxycontin, yeah. yeah. So he might have been off the heroin. He has he been on record saying that he doesn't remember most of the production of this movie. He I was just that it. fucked up. I'll get into the documentary about the making of the movie, but you can sense there's a level of frustration that Kevin Smith has. Like... Although they're good friends and they've been friends for a long time when they're making this movie, like you can see that like when the camera's not rolling when they're shooting, like Kevin Smith is barely even interacting with Jason. Really? It's really weird. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it, well, but you can tell. I, and I read too that Kevin said once the movie was done, he looked at Jason and said, either you get sober or I'm never talking to you again. Well, he actually offered for Jason Muse to move in with him in his house in California oh, really? and said, hey, I'll help you detox. Yeah. And Jason Muse said no. 
But mm. um, so yeah, it, it was pretty bad. But like you were saying, uh, so he had a huge drug and alcohol abuse problem. Kind of what you were talking about, Muggs, is the ticking time bomb, which uh, threatened to shut the project down almost at any moment. So it was, that's how bad it was. He'd have huge mood swings because of the heroin withdrawal. And then like you were alluding to as well, uh, to the point where Kevin Smith actually threw him out of the car on their way to the set one day. Wow. So whether it was heroin or not, there were still drugs involved and a lot of alcohol while they were filming. So again, he would drink heavily just to kind of fight these withdrawals. He actually got in a fist fight with the producer I was talking about earlier, Scott Mosier. Did he really? So they had to come back for a reshoot. Oh, that's right. And yeah. Then he was drunk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, while he was drunk. And uh, he said he doesn't remember anything happening that night. So pretty Jesus. So pretty bad. We're well, not talking a few I mean, beers. We're talking like, blackout. You know, I mean, right? I, well, when you mix pills or maybe Oxycontin with alcohol, I think that's when you just kind of lose all. And that's probably what was going on with him, right? You know, once yeah. he was done, so he's doing the pills probably while they're shooting or whatnot. And then I think he would just leave and then just go start drinking because he couldn't do the heroin. That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. And that's probably why he blacked out, you know? Yeah, I would. I mean, I've never done a mixture like that. No, but I mean, even all, if yeah. you have too many beers, you start, you know, not recalling things the next day. So, I mean, you start yeah. mixing pills with that. That's brutal. But yeah, so like you said, Muggs, like he kind of gave him the ultimatum, like you either get clean or I'm never speaking to you again. Once the film was done uh, shooting, uh, he again offered for him to move into his house in California. Jay declined. Uh, Jay talks about when he hit rock bottom. Uh, it was Christmas Day in 2003. I read this. Yeah, yeah he woke up on a couch that had uh, on fire. It, it was on fire. I think it was from a lit cigarette that he had left in his hand and he passed out with it on. So uh, this is kind of leading up to this new movie coming out. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Right. So this is why Kevin Smith is entertaining this thought because he wants to give it a second chance and kind of wash away these bad memories of this oh, movie wow. because it was that bad. Um, Which is crazy. It's the highest grossing film of all of them. You know what I mean? That's that's just crazy. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you watch again, I'll get into the documentary, but it's crazy just the level of frustration that you can sense with Kevin Smith. We were talking earlier before we started the podcast about, you know, all these famous celebrity actors. And I didn't know a lot of this, but when Kevin Smith announced he was going to do this film, they said the studio were just getting bombarded with calls from agents and actors and actresses that really wanted to be a part of this. Kevin Smith is just with this universe has created such a cult following. And I think a lot of people hold these movies in such high regard that people just wanted to be a part of it. And again, we were talking about how Chris Rock, like he, he mentions in this documentary that I don't know how true this is, but he said he didn't get paid anything. John Stewart is also a pretty prominent role in this documentary. He doesn't really make mention of how much he got paid. He jokes around saying, I'm waiting for my check. But he also says he only worked for a half day. Yeah. So a lot of these actors come in and out real quick. So it's not a lot of well, their time. George Carlin's scene I could have been done in a day, wouldn't you think? I mean, it was very short. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure it was done in yeah. a day. And again, the, the movie was shot mostly in California, New Jersey. The documentary I keep referring to is called What a Lovely Tea Party. Okay. Do you guys know where that line is at in the movie? No, I don't. I'm sorry. So it's when Jay and Bob are on the back lot and the security guard uh, stops him and Jay offers for... Oh, yeah. Oh, to get his dick sucked. Yeah. Oh, and he's yeah. like, you have to say what a he's lovely like, tea right party. He's like, right at the end, can you yeah. say what a lovely tea party? It took. I had to look that up. I was like, I know I know this line from something, but... Wow. Um, this was supposed to be a bonus feature on the film, but I, I took the time to watch it. it. It was originally three hours long. They Kevin Smith cut down to 87 minutes, but it literally like goes scene by scene and is behind the scenes of like how they're filming it. A lot of interaction with Jay and Kevin and a lot of the celebrity actors. It's pretty cool. It was on YouTube. I really enjoyed it. That was actually released in, in 2004. It came out on the DVD as a bonus track, but uh, it was supposed to be just this small behind the scenes and turn into you know, something that is a standalone movie. 
What do you guys think about the score? Like, are we talking about the score or the soundtrack? No, no, I'm talking about the score. Oh. The score felt very John Williams-ish. It Don't felt, tell me John Williams did this. He didn't do it. It uh. was a guy named James L. Venable. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But he also did the score for Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, Scary Movie 2 and 3. But this is why I thought I'm bringing this up is because they actually, it's all original music and they hired a, an actual 80-piece orchestra to record all that music. Wow. Mm. So that's part of that documentary too. I thought that was really cool. So when you go back and listen to it now, it's it's pretty okay. good. It's pretty cool. I think we kind of have to bring up the film controversy too. So in August 2001, this is about three weeks before the movie came out, uh, it came under fire from GLAD, which is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. They felt that the movie, which I kind of have to agree, has a huge overwhelming homophobic tone lots of gay jokes they use the word gay a, a lot few, yeah in the movie there's one time in particular where i think it's shannon elizabeth says it to eliza dushku and that was like one of the main reasons for this yeah like oh, wow. when uh when she flipped through like the lasers yeah. and then like she, she no no it's no. right before they enter the diamond place when they before they do the heist they're standing outside oh and she's uh, like so gay yeah, because yeah. Eliza Dushku does these really weird like hand movements. When there's no one around them, they could just say, hey, just put in the code, meet us. And she doesn't, she, that's what she says, so gay, right? Yeah, she says it right there. Yeah. Gotcha. I really hate that part, too, because she's like, when and we I get know. in here, you got to be really quiet to Shannon Elizabeth. And as soon as Eliza Dushku goes inside, she literally yells at the top of her lungs at yeah. Shannon Elizabeth. I hate that part. I don't like how they portray that, like, also, I think it, around this, they said that, well, everyone in Hollywood is gay. I think they give off that vibe, too, don't you think? And I didn't really like that as well. I mean, it's part of my trash, but. Yeah, I guess they kind of give that off too. And then there's just a lot of scenes where Jay has like a vehement, I'm going to quote that, vehement refusal of giving oral sex to a male driver while in hitchhiking. And then of course the scene we were just talking about at the studio lot where there's a lot of references to oral sex and he does not want to do it. So following an advanced screening of the movie, I guess the director, Scott Seoman from GLAAD, asked Smith to make a $10,000 donation to the Matthew Shepard Foundation. And he actually did Which it. he did it, yeah. yeah he did yeah, do it. That. And he also had to include the GLAAD um, reference in the end credits too, okay. which he ends up doing. This is weird, too, because I didn't realize that Dogma had a huge controversy, too. Well, well a lot of his movies have controversy, don't they? I mean, I mean Dogma the most, right? Dogma because that's the religious the most. Yeah. yeah, there was... I saw videos of just out and out protesting this movie, especially from uh, religious organizations. But he was like hoping that this would have been a controversy-free response to Dogma. And it it was nothing but that, especially with GLAAD. We were talking about this before we started the podcast too. It was originally going to get an NC-17 rating. Right. And it's just a few instances that really crossed the line that they had to cut out. Again, when George, Carlin, and Jay are talking about oral sex on the side of the road, there's a scene where Jay performs oral sex on Carrie Fisher. Uh, there was a lot of scenes that were cut out. Also, there was a scene about Scooby-Doo that I didn't want to get into that they had to cut oh, out. Thank you. Um, but in, in an interview, Kevin Smith is, this is the reason we made the movie. I don't know how true that is, just to get this in there. Just to get this scene in there. But they had to ultimately cut it out because the MPA said you can't have this in the movie. Okay, real quick. What is this Scooby-Doo yeah. scene? Um, I'm I gonna, like you have to say. Yeah, I'm going to try to be talk as about kind as I can. Uh, I watched the deleted scene. Uh, it shows Scooby-Doo... They're, they're smoking weed in, in the van. Right. They're all high. They're like hot box in the van. And Scooby-Doo like gets on his, the, the dog gets on his side and uh, he's erect. Oh, and uh, it's, it's large. It's very large. So like they're sitting there and they reference it 
and they say he has a stoner boner and all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff. But in the docu, snoochy boochies, snoochy boochies. But yeah, no, they right before they play the deleted scene. This is actually on the DVD on the on the bonus footage that I watched this morning. Like right before he plays, he's like Kevin Smith says. The reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to do a movie, like uh, make this movie, was to get a scene like this in it, and they had to ultimately cut it out. How true any of that is? He's probably joking, but when I saw it, you just it's something you can't unsee. I almost I paused it for a second. I was like, do I? I don't. I didn't even know what it was gonna be because they don't say what's gonna happen. They said you have to watch it, and I'm like. I feel like this is a sign where I shouldn't watch it, but then I did and I'm scarred forever. <laughs> so when we get to the release of the movie, like we said, it was in 2001. Kevin Smith, like we talked about, just has this huge cult following and they ran a trailer for the movie at the beginning of Scary Movie 2. So a lot of people went and bought tickets to go see Scary Movie 2 just to see the trailer. Well, it was a different time. That's back when if you wanted to watch a trailer, you had to go to the movie theater to watch the trailer. You know, And I remember people, like I think we referenced this about Star Wars Episode 1, people were just going to the movie to see the trailer for Episode 1 and then leaving without even watching the movie. Yeah, they all went to go now see it. Now you yeah. can obviously see it on any, you know, any type of social media or whatnot and say, hey, we're dropping the trailer and then you don't have to go to the movies anymore. But, but yeah. So again, I mean, his movies don't make an insane amount of money, at least from the this universe, but he tried his best to even drive up the box office gross that he gave away autographed mini posters to all the fans that sent in their ticket stubs that went and watched it opening weekend, which I thought was pretty cool. I didn't know this, but this movie was supposed to be the last movie oh, in the, of the SKU universe. It should have been because Clerks 2 is awful. Uh, I like Clerks 2, but um, at the very end of the movie, have you guys watched after the end credits? No, I didn't stick around for that. There's an end credits? There's an end credits scene at the very end of the credits. Oh, wow, no. Um, so if you guys have seen Dogma, uh, Alanis Morissette plays God, yes. or like an angel of some sort. Yeah. Um, so she plays God in this movie at the very end, and she's holding the Universe book, and it says the end. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, but later on when he decides to do Clerks 2, Kevin Smith makes a point saying, hey, if you look, and he's really getting deep in the weeds right now, but if you look at the book, there's a bookmarker, and you can clearly see there's still pages left. Oh, got it. But I didn't know that. They were really dead set. I think just because of all the issues Kevin yeah. Smith had and whatever plagued the film with Jason Mewes, like he was kind of over it. So, But I'm glad they came out with Clerks 2, and I'm glad they're going to do another Jay and Silent Bob. So. I think we have to get into all of the pop culture references. Like yeah. there's just so many. Um, I'm not even. Ta I'm talking outside of the universe ones with clerics, small rats chasing Amy and Dogma. But I mean Star Wars. I mean so many. It's over the top. Yeah, from the title screen to yeah. everything. They talk a lot about Goodwill Hunting in this. I love that though. For some reason, I like that. You know. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a treasure of mine too. Yeah. They bring up phantoms like a million times. Magnolia. Um, Bill and Ted, Cheech and Chong, when they said you're a third rate Cheech and Chong or Bill and Ted. They don't outright say Scooby-Doo, but we can tell what it is. E.T. E.T., the Batman references. Batman, Star I, Trek. I mean, the literal the literal shot for shot ending of Planet of the Apes. Yes. I know, yeah. right? Uh, Winnie the Pooh, when Kevin oh, Smith gets stuck. Yeah. Uh, the Fugitive, Norma Ray. You see the Reservoir Dogs walking in the back, in the scene of the back lot. Wait, say that again? The Reservoir Dogs. You see Mr. Pink, Mr. I did not know that. Yeah, they're all walking in the back. You can see blood on them and stuff. Yeah. You got to... Oh, 
I gotta watch this movie again. You got yeah. Daredevil in the Hand. In Daredevil the in the Hand. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, there was a movie that Ben Affleck did called Bounce, and Matt Damon calls Ben Affleck Bounce Boy. Like, there's just so many little references that if you you have to watch it a few well, times. And then, and pick then you them go all. into American Pie. Oh, with God, them yeah. referencing, hey, Shannon Elizabeth was so hot when yet she's justice in the movie. That's Jay's like love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Purple Rain. I Bobby love how Fisher. they put in Scream yeah. again because yeah, like they had too. the Scream in there and they had all that. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Yeah, so that's some of the pop culture references. Again, uh, we could spend literally half this podcast talking about all of the actors and celebrities that are in the movie, but I'm going to just pick on a few real quick. If you guys have any you want to touch on as well, be, feel free. But, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, we were talking about this before we started, or maybe it was during, um, they mentioned that the one reason that they did this film is because they owed Kevin Smith a favor. Right. So Kevin Smith actually presented Goodwill Hunting to Miramax and helped them get it made. Oh, so, I did not know that. Yeah. So oh, he, wow. Yeah. So I thought he owed him a favor just because like, he was in the movies at the beginning or something. I don't know. No, so um, it was Kevin Smith who brought the script of Goodwill Hunting to the attention of Harvey Weinstein at Miramax. Wow. So that's why they make that line. They, they have that reference in there. It's because it's literally from that. Wow. I, I would have never known that without doing this research. I didn't know this, but Ben Affleck, you know, he, I mean, of course he loved Clerks, but when he was doing Mallrats, uh, which is the first movie he's featured in the Ski Universe, um, he actually slept on Kevin Smith's couch in his condo while they were filming. Wow. So they were hanging out, they'd, they'd film all day, come back, play hockey on Sega, bitch about girls and stuff like that, which kind of led up to chasing Amy too. It's yeah. pr- it was pretty cool, but he like stayed nights on his couch. Because we know that you know Ben Affleck plays two different characters in the movie himself, as well as uh, yeah. Holden McNeil, they were going to have different characters actually play the roles of actors Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, so opposed to having them play dual roles, they were going to have a completely separate one, uh, set of actors. So they were considering the Waynes brothers. <laughs> oh God! So Marlon and Sean would have been up there playing, okay. you know, Matt Damon. That would have been hilarious. It would have just that. no, just to have like two black actors playing these two famous white dudes. Yeah. That shit would have been fucking hilarious. Or they were going to have Vince Vaughn and John Favreau from Swingers play the two characters. That would have been interesting. Yeah. But I'm glad they went with the actual two instead. What about, saying. what about, because Jason Lee plays two different characters, right? Yeah, so he plays Brody and he plays uh, Edward Banky. Right. Yeah. And they were, they, they were just going to keep him the same? I mean, yeah, I mean, really. yeah, they, they can't really do yeah. that. But yeah, because I mean, that's from two different movies or two different characters. But I mean, you know, Ben Affleck's actually playing himself as well as another characters. I don't yeah. know. I think it was just an idea they were tossed around. But I thought when they said the Waynes brothers, I was like, oh, that would have been interesting to see. Um, so I'm sure you guys know, but the voice of Scooby-Doo was provided by Mark Hamill, which I thought was pretty cool. So I didn't know this, but this is actually the first film that Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill had appeared in together since episode six. Uh, that was pretty neat. Did you know that Carrie Fisher is also in Scream 3? I'm kind of connecting the dots now. She's also in Scream 3. Was she really? Yeah, she was. She was like some sort of talent person or something. She has some random roles, man. It's weird, yeah. Yeah, from Family Guy to all kinds. I mean, it's, it's kinda, weird. Yeah. But she's also like... She was like, you know, RIP, but she was also like a crazy writer. Like she had her hands in like so many different movies oh, and did TV she? shows. Yeah. Okay. Like she would be brought on to fix like a ton of scripts and everything. I, it's just weird because we're saying about the Jane Southern Bob reference, right? As far as in Scream 3 and then that catapulted this movie or what. But now you also have Carrie Fisher was in there. Now she's in this movie too. But now it's the whole market. It's just kind of crazy to me. And then they, they said that they didn't know each other were in the movies until it was done shooting. Of, of oh. Jane Southern Bob? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah, lots of interesting ties between the two, but the, I, I thought that was really surprising. They didn't even know each other were in the movie. 
Shannon Elizabeth was another one I wanted to kind of touch on. I didn't know that Heather Graham was originally offered the role, but she turned it down because she couldn't figure out why her character would fall in love with uh, Jason Mewes' character. I'm glad because Shannon Elizabeth is better in this role than I think Heather Graham would have been. Yeah, and Shannon Elizabeth, this is an interesting fact that she came up with the idea to actually wear glasses because her name in the movie is Justice and she said Justice is blind. Uh, it was interesting, but <laughs> that was her idea. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Selma Blair was also considered for Shannon Elizabeth's role too. Wow. And then we were touching on Jennifer Schwalbach-Smith. So it's actually Kevin Smith's wife. She's one of the jewel thieves. Uh, this is her first movie ever. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith talks about in the documentary how she approached him wanting to be in the movie. And it seemed like he was slightly hesitant at first, but he kind of went along with it. He was really happy for the choice. It seemed like she did a good job for being her first role. I know she ended up being in Clerks 2 as well. There was a couple scenes that were cut out. One being of with Allie Larder. They they both make out for a period of time um, when they're on the road with Jay and Silent Bob, but they just cut it because it didn't really fit the, the movie. Will Ferrell, Will and Holly. Uh, Charlie Sheen was actually offered the role at one point, uh, but he turned it down because he didn't really get the character at all. And this his name is actually a nod to the television series Land of the Lost. The three main characters are Marshall, Will, and Holly. So his, his, his character's name is Marshall, Will, and Holly. Question. Didn't Will Ferrell star in a Land of the Lost movie? He actually this? did, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that came out in 2009, yep. Damn. And then with Carrie Fisher, Allison Janney was actually considered to play the nun but she was too busy with the West Wing. Oh, wow. Um, so Carrie Fisher was casted instead. Did you guys have any other actors you wanted to touch on? The stuff that I have as far as casting um, is the main character, which is Jay, obviously, obviously played by Jason Mewes. Um, Jason, you touched on how Mewes was in uh, Clerks, and then with the success of Clerks, they wanted to do more movies, Mallrats. Um, what I read, though, was that he almost wasn't even casted into that. The studio wanted to have the whole uh, Mallrats going on, Jay and Santa Bob, but they did not want Jason Mewes playing Jay in the movie, and they wanted to go with a well-known actor. I got Seth Green. Is that what you got? Yeah, I read that, too. And if it wasn't for Smith stepping in, saying, hey, like, no, this needs to happen, um, but I did hear that they actually producers flew to the locations ready to fire him on the spot or whatnot because they just did not want him that much it ultimately ended up working out however because of that when they went to dogma um, I think they kind of had similar situations and I think Kevin Smith said hey you need to be your best performance for this movie because they're like like they're on it and I guess because he like heard that was just not only memorized all of his lines but the, almost the entire script itself like they were really impressed on how how prepared he was for that role. Did you ever get that? I did yeah. hear that, but I also heard that he was still abusing drugs. Uh, he was. And I did read, though, that it was in Clerks, or a little bit after that, when he started going into the heroin and all that stuff, correct? So with that, um, I just thought it was interesting because... He is the main character of this movie, but it could have gone a different way, I think, of one little slip-up back in the past or whatnot, or if Kevin Smith doesn't step in. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that Seth Green might have been Jay after Clerks from here on out, which I wouldn't have liked. I mean, he is Jay, you know, like, but I, I thought that was kind of cool. I think when they were filming Dogma that there was a scene where, like, he's literally almost falling asleep, like, in one of his scenes that he's filming. Yeah, he knew all the lines, and he yeah. was trying to be on his best behavior, but, like, the addiction man was just taken over and he was just like almost incoherent and like falling asleep while recording. Oh, really? Yeah. You can tell on a scene that um, made the final cut or... I think it's in the final cut, but they, they cut it so you don't really notice, but I was watching some, again, behind the scenes footage and you can see while they're filming it, like he's just, he's just out of it wow. completely. 
But yeah, I mean, he was it was this close to not having him in any of these movies. So and we could spend yeah. so much time on all oh, the yeah. actors that are in this. But again, I just wanted to touch on a few of them. There's just so many cameos. Yeah. I, I, again, we can spend a long time going. I mean, did you guys have a favorite cameo? My favorite is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck together doing Goodwill Hunting to Hunting Season. Um, I think that was my favorite. But there's a lot of other ones that I also do like. Yeah, I liked uh, I like Tracy Morgan. Uh, yeah. showing up and he's got his own silent Bob too because yeah. like yeah, all, the, all the dealers got their own silent uh, yeah. partner that was, that was pretty cool his name was Pumpkin Pumpkin Escobar <laughs> was Tracy Morgan's name <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny um, my favorite it's so tough uh, I like the George Carlin one I thought that was pretty cool to see him um, of course, Mark Hamill. That was that was neat. Not only with the the cameo though for Ben Affleck and Matt Damon doing Good Will Hunting too. I, I do like at the very end the actress that isn't chasing Amy. Joey, I don't, what's her name? Lawrence Adams. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams. Joey Lauren Adams. I, I love how she said, "Well, no one asked me to be in the movie." When like you're in the movie, I mean, they're reviewing the whole Blunt Men and Chronic thing, but like they're talking about this movie in general. I did like that appearance. I, I I like her. I think she's great. She's in Days and Confused. A lot of movies that I've truly loved back in the early 2000s, late. 90s. 90s. Yeah, she was in a Big Daddy too, right? She was, she was, yeah. she was, yeah. Adam Sandler, yeah. Yeah, that that end scene when they're all walking out and, and they're reviewing all, it. Yeah. yeah, all the people from the different movies. Like I thought that was so cool. Like yeah. Chasing Amy saw it's a treasure of mine. Yeah, Dante and Randall walking yep. out. I thought that was really cool. So yeah, I just have a couple fun facts and then maybe we can get into uh, our uh, experience. Do you know how many times the word "fuck" is used in this movie? <laughs> mother, mother, fuck. No, I don't. Tell us. Two hundred and forty-eight times. Jesus, what is it in Scarface? I think it's three hundred plus. But I'm not one hundred percent. Yeah. Or fuck. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? I thought Blink One Eighty Two. The band was named because they say the f word that many times in The Godfather. In the, in I Scarface? mean Scarface, Scarface, yeah. Scarface. Yeah. Yeah, I think Scarface is more. I think there's more. Oh, I'm thinking. Of, well, I don't know what I'm thinking. Then yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I did find a list uh, that has uh, all the movies with the most fucks said in it, um, and it's on Wikipedia. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob is number thirty behind Big Lebowski. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's uh, it's number 30. Uh, the movie with the most fucks is uh, Swearnet the Movie, Fuck, which is a documentary about the word itself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, number three of all time is uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, shit. Yeah. I believe it, though. Yeah. yeah. I believe it. I should say, oh, fuck, but yeah, I believe that. The fictitious website, uh, moviepoopshoot.com, is a pretty major plot point in uh, in the movie. But it was an actual website uh, before the film's release, and they they actually posted exclusive trailers of the movie on there. There was a real inflammatory post about Bluntman and Chronic, uh, which they actually later read in the movie. So the ones where we're like, where Ben Affleck's going over the the posts, or when they're in movies and they're reading the little um, computer, the one where it says "fuck Jane, Silent Bob, fuck them up, they're stupid asses." Like that was actually a post that someone had oh, posted wow. on that website. That that thread ends with Jay's "You are the ones who are the ball lickers." <laughs> I, don't, I just think the whole scene is pretty funny. You could even see Kevin Smith, Bob. Like, almost like, laughing, yeah. Yeah, and he's like looking at him. <laughs> he's talking about shitting out their shit and then eating the shit that they shit. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, again, moviepoopshoot.com has recently been converted into a bona fide website containing news about all kinds of stuff like movies, comic books, and music. Silent Bob only has 102 words in the movie, which I thought that was actually a lot. I would have expected less. Does he at all speak in the other ones? I think yeah. he does speak in Clerks a little bit, right? Speaks in Clerks. He speaks in. I don't think Amy. he speaks in Mallrats at all. I'd have to look that up. I'm I don't, pretty sure he doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if he does. I've um, never seen Chasing Amy. I don't remember him speaking in Dogma. 
That's a good one too. I don't know if he does. I know speak he does in speak in Clerks, and he does speak in this movie twice, and right? And he speaks in Chasing Amy. Yeah. I know that for sure. Yeah. Um, another cool reference was to The Fugitive, uh, 1993. The name of the lab that Jay and Silent Bob break into. The Dime Exchange is Provasic. Provasic is the name of the drug that Harrison oh, Ford's doctor is, character yeah. in The Fugitive. But yeah, I don't know if you guys have any cool fun facts. I mean, there's probably tons and tons of references. I got something like that it has nothing to do with even this movie, but I know Kevin Smith became a smoker because of him playing Silent Bob on Clerks, and they were obviously smoking. And because of that, he developed a habit. He's a smoker. That's yeah. all it took to to pack a day habit after that. Yeah, I yeah. think he's quit now. Oh, has he? Um, okay. I think when they released it was either Clerks two or another movie he had done, he had said he had quit cigarettes for about three years by that point. But so wow. he's 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 quit now. Yeah, and he yeah. said like he switched to like smoking weed after that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think he was on like Conan or or Letterman or one of those shows. But yeah, he said that like instead of smoking cigarettes, he just smokes a lot of weed now. Wow. So, um, but that, yeah, that's all I got for you know behind the scenes. All right, guys. So now let's get into our experience with this film. Uh, Jason, tell us your experience with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. This is tough because I know I did not watch this in theaters. I was still in high school at the point. I think it was like a uh, freshman. Uh, I remember watching Clerks and really liking Clerks. It took me a couple tries, but I did, I did like that. And so when I heard that they came out with this movie, Jay and Silent Bob, it, it took me a few years before I watched it. I finally watched it on DVD. I think uh, George or Jose or maybe even AJ had it, but I remember watching it at one of our houses during college. I think it took me that long to watch the movie. Um, I didn't I didn't watch it while I was in high school, uh, but I remember thoroughly enjoying it. I remember not even knowing that Mark Hamill was cock knocker at the end. <laughs> His costume is pretty badass, right? Yeah. They go through a lot of like changes too. Like they really like put a lot of thought into that costume. Oh, did they? Yeah, like from the hair length to the makeup. Like they went through a couple different samples, but just some of the cameos, like I wasn't even aware of the first time I watched this. I so I've watched it a few times, and it's just it's insane. From Carrie Fisher to you know Tracy Morgan to all these little cameos. Um, but I thought they did Jay and Silent Bob justice. I'm glad they gave him a bigger role. They gave him a standalone movie because, you know, you don't really get a lot from them. You get them in brief instances, especially in Clerks. You don't get a lot of development. Chasing Amy, you do a little bit more. Mallrats, you definitely do. Uh, Dogma, there's there's some of them, too. But I'm glad that they gave him this movie. But yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it in theaters, but I, I did own it at one point, And now someone stole it from me. So I had to borrow it from Mugga and watch it on Netflix. But yeah, that's my experience. Uh, my experience with the movie, uh, I watched this movie in college. I had only seen Dogma prior to this. But um, yeah, I saw Jay and Silent Bob strike back in college uh, with some roommates. It was just on TV. I think it was like HBO or something, maybe. But I do remember it was uncensored, so it had to be on HBO or something, like Cinemax or whatever. So that was the first time I watched it. And then uh, I didn't really watch any of Kevin Smith's other movies before that. So it wasn't until like after college that I actually like watched some of his stuff on Netflix. But uh, as far as like this movie goes, um, I, I did remember like the whole Mark Hamill cameo at the end is Cockknocker. <laughs> like it hurts saying that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, for this movie specifically, just watching on Netflix uh, last night and uh, took notes. But uh, yeah, that was my experience with the movie. Mugga, what's your experience? I, I actually saw it in theaters. Um, I was a big Mallrats fan when that was going around. Um, I had not seen Clerks, but I did see Dogma. That was a big movie back then. And when I wanted to go watch it, I had friends that had seen all of these movies. I mean, I think this is the movie that brings everything together, right? 
as far as the universe. I know like Jane, Son, and Bob are in every single one, but this brings them all together, correct? Am I wrong? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and so I said, hey, am I going to not understand if I haven't seen Chasing Amy? They brought up, like, there's just at the very end where they have the monkey, but other things. But now you're telling me there's a lot of Chasing Amy. But regardless of that, I had seen Mallrats and Dogma, and uh, because of that, um, we went to go see in the theaters. Um, In 2001, it did a great job of getting all the actors, I think, that were big at the time. Sean William Scott, Shannon Elizabeth, and you had the Star Wars people, you know, that was around when um, they the had just, the prequels were just going, you know, so I thought it was really, like, cool in that aspect. I enjoyed it, but I actually did get to go see it in theaters, so it was fun. And uh, and right away after that, I then went to see Clerks, and um, I still, though, have not seen Chasing Amy. I gotta watch that movie. Same. But, yeah. So, yeah, that was my experience. I saw it in the theaters. All right, guys, so let's get into our uh, Trash and Treasure. Jason, what is your Trash and Treasure with this movie? All right, I don't have a lot of trash. I think I have more treasure personally. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to pan out with the rest of you guys. But uh, for my trash, um, again, just a lot of little things. Very beginning of the movie, when Silent Bob's mom, when he's a baby, when she puts the hat on him and says, this will keep the sun out of your eyes, but she puts the hat on backwards. (laughs) I just feel like that was really dumb. She could have said anything else but that. I don't like it when they look at the camera a few times. It's in my trash. Same. We understand the purpose of this movie. It's ridiculous. Like, we don't need you to look at the camera. I just feel like it's going a little overboard. And I think they do that in a few aspects of this movie, but that in particular, like, there's a couple times when Will They're breaking the wall. Yeah, Yeah. and they just, they look at the camera, I'm like, eh. I think it's like three times. No, it is exactly three three what I have. Yeah. Okay. Ben Affleck does it twice. Mm. One as this character from Chasing Amy then, and the other one as being Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and then you also have... Will Ferrell. Um, Will Ferrell doing it, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I just, I feel like the tools that the girls use when they're stealing the diamonds, like the little birth control... That's stupid. Yeah, I just, again... I, we know that they're girls, and if you watch the behind the scenes, we know that they're lesbians and stuff, but I feel like they're just playing to that too much. I'm like, you could have given them something cooler to have. I mean, they're international diamond thieves. Like, I don't know. They could have given them something really cool. I, we, I already touched on this, but when Eliza Dushku says to be quiet to uh, Shannon Elizabeth, and then when she gets inside of the diamond place, she just, just come on. Yeah. yeah, she screams at her. I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure you just said to be quiet, but it's okay. When you're watching the scene with the lasers, I don't understand the purpose of all three of them having to go through it. There's no purpose at all. Like, why can't one of them go through it? But they, we have to take the time to have all three go through. What was that movie that that references? Was that Thomas Crown Affair or something like that? I looked like it up. That? I think it's Entrapment. Entrapment. Entrapment is what happens with Kath Zeta-Jones and, and Sean Connery. Okay, so I'm thinking of the wrong movie then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I actually looked it up because I was thinking Thomas Crown Affair. For some reason I was thinking that, but I think this is it's Entrapment. Yeah, podcast. because like so many movies like spoofed that scene, that yeah. laser scene yeah. at this time. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's why well, I, I could be wrong. Now, Ocean's 12 came out, um, but I think after this that's movie, after right? That, but yeah. it was almost the same concept. It's a guy going through lasers and all yeah. that stuff, yeah. Um, Will Ferrell, he's a little much sometimes. He, he is. Yeah. He's a little much. I'm, I'm already kind of impartial to Will Ferrell, but th- I mean, it's not as bad as Elf. I'm oh, not saying it's oh. Elf status, but there's a couple times where it's just like, dude, just, just, just dial it down just a tad. Yeah. And then I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like the monkeys, I feel kind of bad for some of them. When you watch the behind the scenes, they treat them really well. You see them like Kevin Smith and the crew just hugging on them and loving them. It, it's pretty cool. But like there's a couple times like when they do the plan of the ape scene and they show like the quick stop and all the monkeys outside. But it's like they're like yelling at them and like telling them to, to act certain ways. And like, I don't know. I just. Oh, I didn't see oh, that. It's on the DeBonis documentary. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not horrible by any means. And of course they claim in the credits that like no animals were hurt in the movie. But it's like you watch it and you, you just 
just, I don't know, it just makes you think. It's like kind of like they, they're dressing them up. They're trying to get them to like, oh, do this, do this, do it again, do it again. And it's like, whoa, 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 they're, they're animals, man. Yeah. Just chill, chill the yeah. fuck out. The main Suzanne, the main yeah. orangutan, like it seems like they gave her the most love and like you don't really see a lot of that. They say raspberry for her to make like a fart noise. They say for her to do that a lot. But like the other monkeys, like when they shot that Planet of the Apes scene, it was kind of, I was like, oh, that's kind of, it, didn't, it just didn't feel right. That's all I have for trash. My treasure, love the opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck, mother, mother, fuck. I love that, that part. It just always makes me laugh. Um, the Berserker t-shirt that Jay wears is just a tribute to the first clerks. Yeah. So the cousin from Germany comes over and, uh, or Russia, and he's like a metal singer. Olaf, I think is his name, and he's in a band called Berserker. So I thought that was pretty cool. He's wearing the shirt. When, when Jay talks about his wiping problem, when the cops get him, <laughs> And he, they find the raps and he talks about, you know, he doesn't want to get stains in his underpants. Just that whole little dialogue was hilarious to me. I thought, I like Ben Affleck in it. I, did, I think he did yeah. pretty good. I, I like that they brought him back as his character and as himself. The movie Poop Shoot being an actual website, I thought that was pretty cool. Like when you really look at Kevin Smith, I mean, outside the 102 words, he has a couple little monologues, I guess, that he has. But it's like his facial expressions like really just make his character great. Like yeah. if you really pay attention to it, he does a really good job. Uh, the George Carlin was probably one of my favorite cameos. I thought that was hilarious. Um, really? I, I thought it was hilarious. I know it's a little obs- obscene, but I wasn't expecting to see George Carlin in this film. Like when I first watched it, I'm like, holy shit, they have George Carlin in this? Yeah, he's like a fucking legend. Dude. He's a like, huge legendary I, comedian. Totally. So I was like, holy shit, that is pretty, I mean, it was impressive, I guess. I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but the boo-boo kitty fuck scene when he first <laughs> says that, he's like, what? so I think it's uh, Ali Lartner when like they all get out of the van and he's like, what's that bitch's problem? And then you see her violently try to get to Jay, but then all the girls pull her back and he sees it. He's like, dude, what's twisting this bitch's tit? <laughs> just that whole thing. I'm just like, wow, we're really going here. We're really saying, I was just like, I don't know, it makes me laugh. Um, Silent Bob, when they get out of the van to break into the, the animal place at Pervasic, he's running around a lot like John Belushi does in Animal House. I forget what they're trying to break into. It's like Dean Warmer's office or something, but like he's he's up on the stairs and he kind of does this thing where he goes back and forth and back and forth and runs around kind of crazy. But if you watch the cartoon, I guess they reference that Silent Bob's real name is Robert Blutarski, which Blutarski is John Belushi's name in Animal oh, House. Man. So I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, the fart scene was, I, I know it's stupid. I know it's really stupid, but when you watch the behind the scenes and how they're doing it, how they're all standing there and someone just makes a fart sound, like that's what happens and she gets embarrassed and runs away. I guess I liked it because I watched that. I think it's stupid in the movie. Oh God, it's but, like trash. But yeah. when you watch it, I just thought, you see Kevin Smith, like this is fucking ridiculous. Like I just, I thought it was funny after watching that part. The Goodwill Hunting 2, hunting season. <laughs> this is one of the quotes I did write down. Applesauce bitch when Ben Affleck says that. Yeah. I, don't know. I feel like Matt Damon really shows him being in good. Ben Affleck goes way too far into it. Does that make sense? Oh, like yeah. of being comedic at it. It doesn't, I'm like, dude, you're ruining like I think this moment in a sense, but I don't know. Yeah, he's like over the top goofy. Yeah, and it's like that. I mean, Matt Damon is fine with it, you know, but. I, he must be joking around though, because if you watch his facial expression, he like goes back to serious real quick after he says it. And then even on the outtakes, he says it really weird yeah. and really fast. And it's just, I don't, that one line where he's like kind of being, he's trying to be comedic, I think, but I don't know. It was over the top for me too. I thought it was funny how Jason Biggs was talking to Jay about Shannon Elizabeth, even though Shannon Elizabeth is in this movie too, how she was in American Pie. 
And then my last treasure is just all of the inside humor connecting the view askew movies. Like when a customer says to Dante in the quick stop, like, are you even supposed to be here today? Yeah. And he's like, don't get me started. Uh, being a tracer, someone says to Banky, you're just, or I think oh, Chris, Chris Rock, Rock Chris yeah. Rock says, you're just a fucking tracer. And that's from Chasing Amy. There's dogma references. Uh, again, we talked about all the people coming out of the theater. I just love how they kind of tie and connect all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was my last treasure. For my trash and treasure, I'm gonna start with my trash. Uh, number one, girls do fart. Uh, they fart viciously and violently. Let's not put that uh, bullshit out there. They do. That fart was violent. Yes, uh, it really was. So, ladies, uh, y'all can't hide. The next one, fuck Brent, Sean William Scott's character. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yo, he just looks like a fucking creep. I don't creep. wanna die. <laughs> I hate that <laughs> Yeah, that motherfucker looked like a creep. Um, and then um, when the girls- And he likes sheep, so. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a dirty sheep fucker. There's an outtake. <laughs> there's an outtake after he gets thrown out of the van that he looks over and there's a sheep. Oh, man, they should have kept that in. And there's a sheep. I swear to God, there's a sheep. And he starts, he's like, oh, hello there, sheep. And he starts to unbutton his pants and pull down his fly and walk towards the sheep. And that's how the scene ends. That should have been in the movie. Should have been in the movie. My other thing, yo, ladies, we don't cover our faces when we steal diamonds and shit. Like Jay and Silent Bob are smart enough to wear masks when they steal animals. Y'all so concerned with like the lasers and looking good, like running up the walls, Trinity style, that like you forget to put on a mask. I didn't understand why they did that. Um, Will Ferrell's character, awful. Of all the humor in the movie, his was most predictable. Yeah. Like you saw the jokes about his character coming from a mile away and it just made him not funny at all. Like I think his character should have just died when he fell off the dam. It was weird in an interview too, Mark Hamill said he wished he would have been the Will Ferrell character. I don't know how that would have worked, but I don't know. It was interesting that he said he would rather have done that, but... Personally, I would say that Mark Hamill probably said that so he could get away from the referencing Jedi, Star yeah. Wars all the fucking time. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that, it, yeah, he probably wanted to do something more with the movie. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt the same way about Chris Rock's role. Like, I'll get into it in my treasure, but like, it started out really strong, the type of humor he was saying, and then it just devolved into just saying cracker a bunch of times. Yeah. And I'm just like, like this is this is the best y'all could write. I would hope that Chris Rock didn't write his own material for his uh, dialogue in this movie because I think his humor started off really really strong, and then you know five minutes into him being on screen, he was saying cracker every five seconds, and I was just like I was just kind of like eh, y'all could do better. That could be bad editing too because I feel like there was a lot of outtakes that I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff, and I feel like they just compiled all that together as opposed to like maybe picking and choosing a little bit more mm. different dialogue. Okay, yeah, then that makes sense then. It it could be, it could be. No, okay, that makes sense, yeah, because like from what I saw, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. But like I I did appreciate like his initial uh, appearance. And then um, I don't like that Silent Bob speaks twice. Yeah. He should have only spoken once. I had that too, yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't have yelled about the Hollywood sign on the car. He should have only spoke in legalese about how they're owed profits from the movie and comic book. I would agree, because that kind of is more fitting with Clerks, too. I think he has more of an intelligent, like, one time he speaks. And it's, like, very intelligent, and it's really calm, and this is who he is. And it's, like, crucial to the plot. Uh, and yeah. if you've seen Gone in 60 Seconds, there's that guy that doesn't talk. I forget what his name is. Sphinx. Sphinx. And, and, and at the very end, he says this most intelligent piece that you're like, whoa, and it blows everyone off guard. I think the fact that he does it twice kills it when you're trying to do it you know like the Hollywood thing could have been cut out and so many movies do that too where they have a character that doesn't really speak their mind but when they finally do it's worth the wait yeah so I thought I thought that was like a 
that was a, a layup that they kind of messed up on. Um, and then, you know, kind of the last thing, like you alluded to, Jason, like, like the amount of gay jokes just like goes out of control, dude. It's just like, I know based on, you know, what I've read about Chasing Amy, that Kevin Smith has a really, really great handle on uh, kind of gender identity and uh, sexual identity from what I've read about Chasing Amy. I, I've never seen it once again, but I feel like how we're talking about using it in a derogatory way like it just goes overboard sometimes it's just like i get it i get it you're super insecure and you're straight and it's getting to the point where it's no longer funny it's being like outright gratuitous super homophobic yeah and i know like again it came out in 2001 the times were different i know that's not an excuse I don't know. I, I get like why they felt that they could do that. I mean, could this movie come out today and be widely Hell accepted? No. There, no. Uh, there's no way. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a and that's the thing too. Like when you were talking about um the birth control gadgets, I was like, you know, in 2001 that might have been funny. Like even like last night when I was watching, I was just kind of groaning. Like I see what you're doing here, but then I got to remind myself, almost a decade ago, that was like the thing. That was what was funny. And you know what? Ten years ago you know, this kind of humor would have flown and it, it was funny, but like there were some times where I thought it was funny still when there's some sort of um, commentary behind it. But then, you know, other times, like when I say it's gratuitous, it's just like doing it just to do it without any real payoff to it. Because I don't think it would have taken a lot of thought or creativity to give them something else to use besides a birth control container. Like you could have given her anything else. Yeah, and that and that's kind of my thing. It's just like um, the same way we got Chris Rock saying "cracker" over and over and over. Yeah, I felt like it was gratuitous in the same way using like the gay joke. It's just like it was funny the first two times, but y'all got to do better. You yeah. know, that's all for my trash, really. Oh, um, my last trash actually. Yo, I'm so glad. You know, I would hope that everybody at this you know at this panel knows about Mark Hamill's career because like I get so bummed out whenever we talk about Mark Hamill and it's just Star Wars. Like I can feel the disdain, <laughs> like as he's playing this Sith Jedi ripoff type character, and it's just like y'all had to do my man like that. Like, can he please get away from fucking Star Wars? Please? But he was also the voice of the Joker, right? Yeah, he's Batman also the voice series? of the. He's a great uh, voiceover artist. Like he's a great voice actor. Yeah, like he's been in a couple other movies. I think he was in like Brixby Bear a couple years ago, if that's the name of it. But it's just like, we talked about this with uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega in previous movies, how they went on to do movies immediately after Star Wars. I think it was Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. It might've been them that gave them the advice like, do not let this be and define your career. Like, go on and do something else. Because, like, aside from Harrison Ford, like, most people involved in Star Wars and maybe Natalie Portman. Never and, did anything. And yeah. Ewan McGregor everybody's like stuck at that if they didn't have a career yeah. prior. Yeah. So like, I, yeah, I, get, I was just bummed out. I was just like, it was funny when I watched it in college, but when I watch it now, I'm just like, damn, like my dude cannot get away from Star Wars. Yeah. Like he cannot. So, um, but that was my last trash. Treasure, I love the ability to tell a story with one silent protagonist. Um, that takes really, really creative writing. And I, I do love Kevin Smith's acting in this movie. He tells you so much about his character just using facial expressions. Um, so, And it never feels like Jay is taking over the film. It feels like they are two equal parts of a whole, despite Jay talking a lot. And that's, that's tough, man. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like Jay never comes off as obnoxious. He comes off as like a genuine character. You would think somebody that says the things he says and does the things he does would just rub you the wrong way. But like, I never felt like he was so obnoxious that I wanted to look away from the screen. I never felt badly about the character, which I, which is amazing because he's a total dick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, and the shit that just comes out of his mouth. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, stink nuggets. That was pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> 
shout outs to uh, Wizard Magazine. I used to have that when I was a, when I was a kid. I did too, yeah. Um, I love how this movie's like very meta about Hollywood. They talk shit about Miramax, Ben Affleck's career, um, Hollywood. It's a very interesting commentary on Hollywood with many of Hollywood's prominent or semi-prominent stars during that time. So I do appreciate, and I'm actually surprised that in the age of non-social media, that they were able to have so much commentary about the state of social media as it exists today. Like when they were talking about the internet, they're just like, oh yeah, uh, film snobs, they're going to talk shit about you whether you like it or not. And it's just like so much uh, foresight on what the internet was going to become is in this movie, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah, because that scene starts out with the internet buzz, you know, Ben Affleck's talking about, and (laughs) they're talking shit about you. you Well, and Jay's like, what the fuck is the internet? (laughs) He's like, well, the internet uh, connects uh, multiple people across the digital. uh, (laughs) People come to bitch about movies and share porn. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, so when they're at movies and Jay is telling Silent Bob what to type, um, when he's just like, oh, we're going to take, you know, your shit, uh, you're going to eat our shit or whatever. I thought that was one of the more hilarious lines. And then when he comes back to the cash register, he's just like, no more Harry Bush nuns and no more dogs. And I'm just like, that line had just had me rolling. I don't know why. When uh, when Jay's talking to the angel on his shoulder and the angel says, don't pull your dick out unless she asks or she's sleeping. <laughs> like the most scumbag thing, but I thought it was hilarious. Yo, there's a lot of old ass humor in here that I still rock with. So I, I had to laugh. Um, I did like all the cameos, like the pop culture references. Like we talked about Daredevil. We talked about like the fugitive, all that other stuff. I did appreciate that. So if you're a fan of movies, this movie does a lot of stuff for you. And then um, I did like Chris Rock's rant when he first appeared on screen. I love the fact that he's just going on a rant about like, yo, like I'm a, I'm a black director. Like whoever thought I would be directing this feature film and then the dude shows up and he's just like he's like go get me my coffee your daddy's got to be so mad that you're serving a nigga coffee this and that and this and that and I and I was like appreciated that because there's just like there's so much commentary in this little tiny rant about the state of Hollywood at this time where you couldn't get like black filmmakers a movie with a crazy amount of budget to do a superhero film because he's filming a superhero movies which typically you wouldn't have like a black director create you know we talked about this in the Marvel podcast but like it's obviously kind of shifted to be way more inclusive and way more diverse. And then uh, one of my favorite lines was uh, when uh, Chris Rock did say, uh, I got more white girls in my trailer than the first lifeboat off the Titanic. I was, I was fucking dying. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my trash or treasure uh, with this movie. Muggs, uh, what's your trash and treasure with this movie? I disagree with some of you guys. I mean, some of your stuff... Um as far as your treasures, I don't like the George Carlin scene. I like him in general, but what purpose does that scene do for this movie? Because they're hitchhiking, they see him how to live by the book, then they go to carry, and then they get, and they're back hitchhiking. And I, I just don't. What's the point of it? No, like, you didn't see when they got to L.A. So I did see that, and he comes up as I get that, but it's like. I don't know. I didn't like it. I just kind of like. I think that they're they put a lot of scenes in the movie just for humor and. Yeah, and you just laugh. for cameos, just probably for, too. I guess you know. I um, just I was just impressed to see someone like George Carlin, that in legendary. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, along with you guys, I hate that Ben Affleck and Will Ferrell when they break the the wall and they they look at it. You know, um, I don't like that. And I'm also about the homosexual jokes and all that. I mean, I know it was back in 2001. Looking at it now, I'm like, I don't like that at all. They just abuse that the entire movie. 
the Star Wars reference, they do a lot. I know Kevin Smith's a fan. Uh, the the van blows up, and you hear, you know, Justice is dead in that whole orchestra, uh, I think, referencing Phantom Menace of Qui-Gon's dead. Is that what they were doing there? I don't know. Not sure. It's an orchestra, like, saying, you know, Justice is dead. I thought that was just stupid, you know? Yeah, it says Justice is dead. Is dead. Or, or so Jay thinks. Yeah, and, and I just like, no, no, no. Um, I did not like corny. that at all. Um I didn't like that Kevin Smith's wife was in it. I mean, what purpose? She's not even in the theft part. I mean, I know she's the getaway car, I guess, but she's not even with the three other girls. And you can just kind of see that she's filled in. And you have these three girls who at the time, I think, had very solid careers. I was Shanna Elizabeth was just taking off, but Ali Larder, Varsity Blues, other things. And Elijah Takushi, we just did True Lies. And she was in that. And then I think she was in Bring It On prior to this, you know. But she really stood out like a sore thumb, and it really showed. And then you find out, well, it was Kevin Smith's wife, you know. And she was forced to kind of—I I, I didn't like it, you know. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I I mean, you talk yeah. about clerks and it's like he just had all these random people and friends in the movies. I think it's kind of yeah. fitting for his style, but that is just me. I don't know. I do hate the fart, though. I hate the fart where she blows it and her facial expression. It's almost like she laughs, too, for a second and then gets right back into character. But I cringe every time it's on. I'm like, damn it. I just like how violent it <laughs> yeah. is. Her face is just <laughs> awful, you know. Um, there's no other way around it. I don't like that Ben Affleck plays two characters, but how else do you do it? You know, if you're going to put the whole Goodwill hunting in and he's playing himself. Well, what do you want? Do you want? Vince I know. I, I'm just John saying. Favre you're just kind of like, well, he, I, I get it. So, yeah. this is a major trash. And I don't know if I'm going to get like resistance from you guys or whatnot. But the lightsabers at the end—they were god awful, right? Oh yeah, I didn't. I, I, the I didn't worst. Mean, no. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is the best you can come up with. Like, the way they looked was just stupid. Like, very, very. Not I, even cartoonish. I will say this though: like the fight choreography was pretty. It good. was. It, it was. was but the way the lightsabers looked, I was just like. It, it was weird. I, I didn't like it at but all. I, it's, I think it's fitting for the movie. It's but you got to think about like yeah. copyright infringement, maybe. Yeah, how how could that? But I mean, apparently George Lucas is cool with them parodying him. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. always been cool with parodies. So. Um, but that, yeah, that's just it's just little things and nitpicking treasures. You know, I, I I love the cast. I thought they got together a lot of actors in two thousand one, older and younger. I mean, I I just I thought that was really great. Looking back on this and watching it now, I love that there was the whole universe aspect. I mean, we have the whole Marvel universe, and I'm like, oh, it's the greatest thing. I'm like, this guy did it prior to everything else. And this movie, I thought, brought it together. Jason's one-liners. <laughs> you know, you ever have your ass licked by a fat man in an overcoat? I mean, when he, after Shannon Elizabeth's character trying to, oh, he's a genuine guy. Dude, he has he has the best one-liners. Oh, dude, it's great in the movie. And I love that he does it a couple times. But he refers to Silent Bob as lunchbox. <laughs> Lunchbox, you know, and um, I love the whole Goodwill Hunting two part. I thought Ben Affleck was a little goofy, but I thought that it was well done. I love the whole Gus Van Sant in the back. Jesus, Matt, I'm busy. <laughs> like when he says cut, you know. Um, I love then referring to that all the pop culture references, and then they immediately go right into the scream. Love that Wes Craven's right there with Shannon Doherty and all that. Um, but one of my biggest treasures, I, I love how he was able to write in at the very end, you know all the people walking out of the theater trying to reference Blunt Men and Chronic, but referencing the movie they had just seen or whatnot. I, I, I thought that was a great way to end it. You kind of laughed and like the whole chasing Amy part girl at the end. Um, I, I thought that was really good. I, so overall, I mean, it, I love how he can just connect a lot of things in other movies and the movie itself, you know, so, but yeah, that's my treasures. It doesn't feel like he like tries really hard to no, do it either. It's just no. like, it's a, it's kind of yeah. fluid the way he does it. Yeah. All right, so that's it for Trash and Treasure. Let's get into our ticket prices. Jason, how much would you pay to watch Jay and Silent Bob strike back? 
This is tough. Yeah, this, this is, is a tough, tough one to write. I mean, I like all the movies that you know Kevin Smith has put into this universe, including Clerks 2. I love how he ties it all in, like we were just talking about from all the other movies into this. The production value is probably the best that he had done up until this yeah. point. I mean, Dogma was really good too, but definitely a step up from like Clerks and Mallrats um, and Chasing Amy. I think I appreciate the movie even more now, knowing what Jay was going through. Yeah. I mean, he had an addiction. It's, you know, people call it a disease. Like, I, I get people go through things and, like, he still brought it, man. Like, yeah. he is, like, over the top. He is Jay, man. Like, he kills it. It's amazing it. that he doesn't remember it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, that's amazing to me, like, it's in just, a scary way. Like, you don't remember making this movie, yet yeah. you're, like, the focal point. But I, I guess I'm even more impressed that he was yeah. able to pull this off the way. Because you go back and watch it, and it's just, I know some of the shit's ad-libbed, and it's yeah. like, God, it's it's, amazing. it's it's crazy. So I think, and I, I don't know if I'm going to get any flack for this, but I think I'm going to go 15. Right. I'm going to go 15. All right, 15. Cool, cool. What about you, Kerwin? What are you giving this? Uh, I'm going to give this movie a solid 10. There are things that kind of like grate me a little bit. I feel like sometimes the the pop culture stuff does go too far, especially towards the very end when you get the whole Mark Hamill thing. Like I didn't find Will Ferrell's character to be funny at all, even though he has such a prominent role in the film. I think the biggest thing for me is going to be uh, Jay. He carries this movie because oh, yeah. I think without him being the constant focus of attention with his one-liners, with the energy he brings, his intensity, I think this movie falls apart. I think Jay like carries this whole fucking film and yeah, like the, the secondary and tertiary characters are like somewhat interesting, but they literally just pop up and this movie's, you know, it's very funny. You know, we talked about certain things being outdated, like outdated styles of humor, etc. You know, when I think of like comedies, like there are some comedies that I could think of that that are like a 15 or a 20. But I think I think this is a movie that I'd, I'd pay like a solid 10 for. So I'm, I'm going to go $10 for this movie. Yeah, it's crazy to think about like Jay's character in Clerks. Like he's evolved like yeah. in, what was it, six or seven years later. It's like amazing yeah. what he was able to do with the character. Mm-hmm. All right, Mugga, how much are you paying to watch this movie? This was hard for me to rate because I don't think you can go to the 20 ranges or all that because... As far as, you know, what we've given movies that are 20, I mean, it's just not in that category. But I put it on, and I, I still get excited, you know? Like, I mean I, I, I mean, I was excited to watch it again when we said we were doing this. But I just, I can't go higher than 10. I, I got to do it. But it's like a solid, like you said, a solid 10. I mean, I was borderline between 10 and 15, so it kind of fits with, you know, you giving a 15 and 10. But I think it kind of brings it down because of some things that I've really analyzed. I'm going to go with 10, I think, on this one. All right. So that gives us 10, 10, and 15, 35 divided by 3. You get 11.67 that we're paying to watch this movie. Total we've never gotten before. Yeah, there yeah you go. we need to have. I like that. I like this well, it's dividing by 3. I think that, <laughs> that changes some stuff. You know? It's been a while since yeah. it's just been us. Well, I have one. One question I'd like to ask, so like out of the six, you know, where would you rank this movie out of his little universe? Is it at the top or second or whatnot? I know we said the critic put Chasing Amy up there, but what, what do you guys do? I pro- Oh, that's tough, man. It is a tough question. I, I, I love Mallrats. I really do. I think Mallrats is a very creative story. I feel like this is like the Infinity War of this universe. Because yeah. like everything is just coming together. I probably put this like two behind Clerks, maybe. Okay. I probably go Clerks, this, then Dogma, maybe. Okay. That's just I'm kind of right where you're at. I think you got to appreciate Clerks for what it is. I know it's, it's different. Very, yeah. It's different. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea i understand that Twenty-seven thousand to make i mean what was reservoir dogs for tarantino it was it was, it was low but it was not that low there's no. no way it's impressive what he did and it, it's even more impressive the cult following that it created yeah so i, I would probably be right along with current clerks probably 
probably then this and then dogma is a very close third because i think dogma was very unique yeah. i, I like dogma I alan do. rickman and chris rock i thought you know ben affleck matt damon is the angel i thought that was a great movie mm. you like clerks too yeah, I like Clerks too. I just think it's so bad. I've only seen it once. Oh. So, yeah. and and there, I was talking to Mugs about this before we started this. There like was, the donkey reference, like so. There's there's this <laughs> running joke that was supposed to be in this movie, and it was about this term asscock that they all kept saying, but it was a donkey that not an ass. It was they were talking about a donkey, uh. and then when you think about Clerks too, they actually bring in a donkey. It's just I don't know if that's what they were trying to do, but they cut all of it out because they said it wasn't that funny or didn't make sense. But then they did something with it. But yeah. Clerks too, you don't you don't like? No, I think that's the worst one out of them all. Well, I haven't seen Chasing Amy, but from what I've seen, I, I hate that movie. Well, I mean, maybe you know, in the future we can go back and kind of review some of those movies. Yeah. Have you seen Clerks too or no? Yeah, I've seen Clerks too one time. Okay, just yeah. once. I'm just curious. Yeah, you need to watch Mallrats. I think that's a great movie. Um, I think I would put this second tied with Clerks, and then I love Dogma, and it's right there behind those, and then Clerks Two is way down there. I just do not like that movie. I think you should watch Chasing Amy though, because yeah, I, I, I forget heard. what the website was, but they put it as number one. Yeah, one of these so. movies. So. All right, so uh, most important question, though. You know, there's a lot of celebrities in this movie, a lot of cameos, but one man, not, huh? yeah. one man is missing, and that man is Tom Cruise. So I got to ask you, gentlemen, uh, if Tom Cruise was in this movie, who would he be playing? Marshall, Will, and Holly. I would swap out Will Ferrell. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to do, too. I would either go with him or he could be Cockknocker. He could have been Cockknocker, yeah. could have been Cockknocker. Yeah, he could have yeah. been. But yeah. I, I think Will Ferrell could have gone. I, I think and he had Tom Cruise as like a serious, but just an idiot, you know? Like, I think that would have worked really well. Or he could have been the monkey. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Anybody else got anything they want to talk about? I'm good. All right, cool. So that's going to be it for uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And uh, in the words of uh, Tom Cruise, Snoochie Boochies. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening. 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. If you don't me, then you owe me. You owe me, owe me, oh, my jungle love. love.